Welcome to the Top Gear magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello everyone, I'm Jack Ricks, joined today in the Top Gear magazine podcast studio, which is a fancy name for a room at the bottom of the BBC television centre, joined by Ollie Marriage. Hello. Rowan Horncastle. Hello. And we're a man down because there's no Ollie Q here today, he's dead to go on holiday. How which, dare he? I can't believe it. I can't I think, believe it. I think he's actually just, he's grabbed the first rung of the property ladder. That's why he's off. He's oh, moving boxes yeah. around and having a, a Chinese and pizza party on the floor, moving it's, furniture. It's not a fun holiday. It's a sweaty, stressful holiday. It's an admin <laughs> holiday. Yeah, an admin holiday. Right, so today we're going to be talking about Speed Week. Um, so to the uninitiated, Speed Week is the best week of the year. It's where we get together the greatest uh, performance cars launched in the last uh, 12 months. We drive them on road and track. We go to new and interesting places all around the world and pick a winner. And uh, and unlike some publications that are sort of focused on lap times and performance figures and all that sort of stuff, for us, it's more about, you know, how the cars make us feel. Which car... It's experiential, isn't it? Yeah, which car brings us the most joy, which is why often people say, well, how can you compare, you know, a hypercar against a hot hatch? Well, you know, if you level the playing field, which car, you know, just gives us the tingles, basically, um, without making it too scientific. Well, and let's be honest, <laughs> it's the main reason that most of us are in this job, just for this one week of... It's, <laughs> it's the money can't buy experience. We don't care yeah. who you are and how much, how big your watch is and how much money you've got in your bank account. You can't do this of getting the newest and the latest cars all together in one go uh, because we get them before anyone else and be able to test them and literally hop from one to the other normally in a quite a cool location mm -hmm. and then you've got your mate who's a photographer to take pictures of you at the same time so you can look at it when you're you know in the dark depths of winter and think that was a good couple of days and it is and um, we've been all over the world doing it uh, before last year we were in Chechia and this year we put our sights somewhere else dictated by a track yes. more than anything else so Sweden I'll put you out your uh, misery it's Sweden <laughs> that we, we went go? to <laughs> yeah. um, and but Ollie tell us about the track because that's where it all started it all right? started because we had this idea of doing this sort of cleaner, greener speed week and working out how to make it more sustainable and just without sort of disrupting the group of cars at all and all the exciting cars to make it a bit more sort of a bit more forward looking, a bit more sustainable mm. and low mm. carbon and things. And the Kickstarter for that was a circuit called Gotland Ring, which is actually on an island off Sweden called Gotland has this amazing circuit and it is the world's first sustainable racetrack because it's got wind turbines there that de that develop all the energy the track use and actually feed more of it back to the grid they're putting in solar panels as well to further increase their capacity there and it's built into the edge of a limestone quarry so all the the off cuts and bits from the limestone we use for the base for the track and form the crash barriers around a lot of it as which, well which aren't FIA approved I don't think which means no. they can't have big uh, they can't international races, races. Oh, hold on there. a second did you but just say I think <laughs> I'm not sure if you've seen tech pro barriers but they're not made of rock and then like positioned at a 45 degree soft. did you have a run up and down any of them well, yeah, some it's are quite soft, spongy some are soft some are hard but also there is literally two foot from the edge of the track then into mm. this 45 degree barrier which is yeah. actually a Rap. jump yeah which we heard about <laughs> why didn't they look quite friendly very attractive so these are the these are the, the sort of um, the surplus material from the quarry yeah, yeah. That, and it, there wasn't there some light 
live barrier building. You while well, we there were was, taking some they photos, were, they were they were building barriers yeah. with a JCB. Sorry, not because someone well, went into it the previously <laughs> and they had to rebuild it and take some more no, out of the no, ground. No, no. But, um, no, we stayed no, out the, the barriers. So the circuit's mostly. been there for I think about twenty years. They started building it, and they built a smaller northern loop. And then two or three years ago, they built this huge southern loop, which all joins together. And it films this amazing track, which has a really different feel between the quite tight and twisty old bit and this much more open and fast new bit. And together, it's like a seven kilometre, what, four and a half mile track. So it's good. And it's just, it's brilliant to drive, isn't it? Mm. We have yeah. a lot of fun I, I've never been anywhere like it because that, that, you know, that what you're talking about there, the feel between the two tracks. So you can just split it in two and it feels like you're in completely different locations, but join it together. And it's an interesting lap because your mm. driving style just has to change halfway yeah. through. Um, They're two completely different places. I never yeah. know the northern and southern loop. I didn't have my compass with me, but I just go the old one and the new one. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 because the old one was wiggly, the new one was yeah, wide and fast. And yeah. Alec, who owns the track and designs it, is very inspired by you know as ever the greatest racetracks in the world. But the first section is very Nurburgring esque because there's a lot of mm. it's very blind and undulating, but tight and technical. And then you go onto this new section, and literally the track is about four times wider yep, than you yep. were on before. Super fast. The man is slightly insane because then he's put like his undulation that you. We watch YouTube videos beforehand that you can't gauge. You know, you can never gauge anything from a video of the ups and downs. He's put a jump in it. Yeah, an actual jump, which big one too. Uh, yeah, a big jump. Yeah, yeah. No, a proper ramp, like... a, mo- a shot to the sky. Yeah, which he said. Uh, and don't forget when you're going over this jump, which just looks like a blind crest as you're mm. sort of steaming up to it. Don't forget to attack it at an angle, sort of across it and to the left. Left because when you land, it's not dead straight. You're like, okay, I'll remember that when I'm doing 120 <laughs> through the air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and the furniture and everything around, because you are in a quarry, you've got this amazing drop down and a Listerine like blue lake mm. to the left of you and it widens and it, you go into the trees and it kind of, yeah, it, it, it's a fantastic place to be. It's and beautiful. also it wasn't really covered. We looked at a lot of onboards and there's not been much coverage. So no. we photographed it and videoed it so well that hopefully you guys uh, listening can can get a, a decent flavour for it. Yeah. Well, yeah. why don't we talk a bit about, so uh, as Ollie mentioned there, this, this idea of a cleaner, greener, low carbon speed week mm. without you know, losing all the stuff that makes it fun, the great cars, the, you know, all the all the mayhem that goes on on track. Um, and uh, we, we began, perhaps naively, by going, oh, let's make it a carbon neutral event. You know, yeah. that's what you do, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you calculate everything. We just thought it would be a brilliant cover line for the magazine, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Carbon speed week goes neutral. carbon neutral. Yeah. Um, but then we engaged uh, the services of the BBC sustainability team who actually know about these sorts of things. And then we went off on a bit of an educational journey on sustainability. And, um, what we learned really was that, um, to, to certify an event as carbon neutral, you have to hit certain standards and there are various third party companies that will rubber stamp your, um, offset your emissions basically. But actually offsets are, um, of varying degrees of quality they're quite hard to sort of police exactly where your money's going but there are lots of companies that will take your money and you know plant trees or invest it in various projects that claim to offset your co2 but really that's sort of seen as a bit lazy in carbon accounting what's much better to do um, is to look at 
yourself, look at your own event, look at what you're actually doing and just try and reduce your footprint rather than carrying on as normal and paying someone to offset the CO2 produced. So that's what we did. We, our our job was to look at, um, you know, where we were staying, every aspect, aspect how we got the cars there. Um, and and just the food, and, the fuel, the food, the, the fuel, everything. Yes. It was really quite was fun actually in. as a little yeah. task to think mm. about everything that we could cut down and change. Yeah. yeah. However, it does bring expense into the uh, yes. side that which yeah. which you know it, it's it's quite hard to do green cheaply. Is that yes. what we learned uh, through this? But we yeah. explored every um, avenue possible, and obviously. We we're getting put under more and more pressure from the sustainability argument because you know you're just going you're flying around the world and just putting fuel in cars mm. and doing it. But we you know we're under strict and stringent guidelines from the BBC of what we do, mm. and I don't think you know you guys sometimes uh, understand or appreciate the effort. So this was like an open way yeah. of thinking about it, and mm. some of the solutions we found I thought were pretty innovative. Yeah, so there was yeah. you know, and what 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 we also realised was. It's not perfect. It's not an exact science. We were never going to completely reduce our carbon footprint. But if we could demonstrate in a few small areas what you can do, then maybe, you know, you as the readers and listeners will can, can sort of take that on board and realise that for us, you know, as car enthusiasts, we want cars to stick around for uh, as long as possible, combustion engines, you know, but... but you can put different things in the tank, can't you? So that that was probably one of the sort of headline things was was the fuels was the that fuel. we used in the combustion yeah, cars. Yeah. So we we spoke to a few. There's a few companies out there now doing synthetic fuels and things. And obviously, you're, I'm sure you'll all be aware of the Porsche's e-fuel. Um, but actually, the the quantities they're producing it in are so small, and it's costing them so much money to do it. They couldn't supply the fifteen thousand, fifteen hundred liters that we would have needed to fuel all our cars at Speed Week. However, there is a fuel from a company called Coriton, which is a, like an it's a it's a biofuel, so it's made from straw. So it's a it's a off cut it's complete um, waste product from the agricultural industry, which is converted into a into a fuel, and they can supply that in pretty good quantities. So we had five barrels of this were were taken out to Sweden. And I should say, you, you just there's there's no modifications needed to the cars. You no, just stick it, it in the tank, just as you would with normal ident- pump fuel. Yeah, identical chemistry to 98 or 99 octane fuel. Yeah, yeah, and and so, and roughly mm. it will reduce the kind of uh, the the total CO2 emissions of producing the fuel and burning it by about 30. percent That's it. Yeah. 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 So so you know it's not Big as number. we said not not yeah. perfect, but mm. you know it's it, an improvement. It, it and this is what we were trying to do was improve it. Yeah. And the same then went for like our accommodation so we were a self-catering we were all staying in apartment blocks together yeah. we, we were had to do our own cooking yes with, with varying degrees of success with varying degrees yeah. of success no, fairly no, no. simple stuff it was good stuff but, um, no but uh, was, Tom hot, Ford, hot dogs w- two nights in a yeah, row was Wookie, a bit of a no, shock he's, he's, he's sausage obsessed <laughs> he went once went on ready steady cook and he took a bag of sausages some tomatoes and uh, a lettuce I think and even Ainsley Harriet didn't really know what to do so he just had sausage <laughs> salad and then we effectively <laughs> had sausages every night just these glizzies just being thrown down our neck and it's yeah but it's interesting Wookie's ready steady cook video I think it's on YouTube it's just going to get a weird spike in views now it is worth a watch it is worth a watch no but we we explored everything at that point you know looking for local food local suppliers even to dehydrated space food to take out yeah, mm. yeah, and 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 also, um, we were talking earlier about the track being <laughs> totally self-sustainable uh, in terms of the, its energy production through the wind turbines, but also they've got a bank of EV chargers. So yeah, we had yeah. quite a few electric cars as as part of the test. Mm. I say quite a few. 
Two? Uh, yeah. Two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two. Well, an Artura, McLaren Artura. No, no, the, the Bath 500E, we're getting ahead of ourselves oh. now. Bath 500E, Pulse, Pulse 2 PST, the Ionic 5N. 5N. Plus our crew cars. But we'll and, get onto the cars. We'll get onto yeah, the cars in a minute. Well. But the 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 joy of it, we had this this bank of um, chargers, including two six hundred watt rapid chargers, which they just had installed. Kilowatt, kilowatt, kilowatt. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. Um, before we turned up, and and they were free, you know, and they all ran yeah. off the the, the off sustainable the energy. energy. No, so, it's quite funny. Normally, you're at a service station or somewhere, or you know, charging. You think, where's this energy coming from? You look left. There's a giant <laughs> wind turbine. <laughs> Yeah. Going I around. like to think there's literally just a wire just it comes <laughs> out the bottom of the turbine under yeah, yeah. the ground and just goes into the charger that's how it works <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. yeah. but also Gotland's well set up for it because it's bit of a sustainability destination and what they're Completely, trying to do yeah. and how they're trying to manage uh, the place. It's not an easy place to get to because Sweden's mm. quite difficult in Scandinavia mm-hmm. anyway and then being an offshoot of that and then having to cross a body of water. Yeah. So um, we so may as well we talk about... we did to fly, didn't we? Yeah, we, yeah. we, we, we flew but the cars didn't fly for obvious yeah, reasons. Right. So we partnered with Scania yeah. who did an amazing job and had lots of tech that um, could throw in. So, Ollie, so do you the, want to say yeah, a bit well, the, the reason with with Scania is that a lot of truck companies and Scania foremost among them are developing electric trucks for for range and the original plan was to get all the cars transported out there with uh, being towed by electric trucks we knew that would add a day or two to the schedule for their recharging and things along the route what we didn't realize at the time was that the companies that are running the transporters the tra- a, a, tractor and trailer unit is actually way more complicated than just plugging a different trailer on the back and you're, you go it's again. It's like trying to get a Mac so, to talk to a, to a, a PC. PC. Yeah. No, but yeah. also, our, you know, our knowledge, we're not truckers. And it, ours, our knowledge of this goes back to when we were kids and you'd have one in the toy box which connects to another and we go, yeah. well, this will work. So yeah. we just assume that. Wrongly, yeah, as wrongly. Ever. So yeah, there's a lot of hydraulic connectors and actuators and everything else that could connect the truck to the trailer, and it meant that we couldn't get the the the, the current battery electric trucks are not yet equipped mm-hmm. to tow transporter trailers. Um, PHEVs are they're starting to get some PHEVs available, so plug-in hybrid trucks. Again, we sort of drew a slight blank on on getting that all to align. So we ended up with um, trucks and Scania are running their diesel trucks can also run on HVO, hydro, no, hydro-treated vegetable oil. Mm-hmm. Um, so they fueled them up with hydro-treated vegetable oil. And then we were, all the cars were loaded on at Dunsfold. And, and it's slightly it. cleaner than, than diesel. And it's, it's slightly cleaner than diesel. When they yeah. were actually on the road, they did have to use diesel. Well, I think the they started with a tank, yeah. of HVO, with a tank of HVO, and then when that ran out, they could only they, access property. Yeah, yeah. So this was, for me, this is the perfect example of like how, you know, you start with, with, with the grand intentions mm. and then really time, budget and technology mm. all come into play and sort of knock you back to a realistic solution. Mm. And then, you know, we've got to go with it. We've still got an event to put on. But mm. interestingly, we said, look, all right, we may have emitted more CO2 with the diesel trucks than we would have with the electric ones, but we still want to tell people about this technology. Mm. So we managed to get the the, the, the yeah, yeah. plug-in hybrid and the electric mm. trucks along to the track yeah, so we yeah. could have a go in laps them. in them. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought that up because the electric truck lorry was one of my favourite things at it Speed Week. It was astonishing, Week. wasn't it? And um, it really shows for that, uh, you know, when you have the purpose and you have the range and you have the infrastructure, mm. it is the solution. Yeah. But also, it's a fantastic 
place to be because you go in and it's got a massive bit, um, glass house in, in front of you plus a sunroof big bed and, behind you and <laughs> you, you know we, th- we think about oh you know the Rolls Royce Spectre that's got to be the most luxurious EV no go and scan yeah, it yeah. it's triple suspended <laughs> Because yeah. you've got suspension from the wheels and, and tyres ab- above you, and then you're suspended from the cab, that's also suspended, and then the uh, seat. seat itself is suspended in so many ways, you literally don't feel a thing. And it's silent, and it's such a wonderful way to travel. But it was also, because I drove the, the hybrid as well, the PHEV, and the PHEV is still, even when it was in electric mode, it still felt a little bit truck-like. But the, that electric one was so smooth, mm. so smooth. It was mm. absolutely uncanny. And it does have a massive battery. But again, yeah. with all these things... 630-kilowatt-hour yeah. battery. So hang on, wait, 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 let me just stop you here. So we were at a racetrack, which we mm. had to ourselves yeah, yeah. for two days, yeah. with 15 of the best performance cars in the world, yeah. and you two are wanging on about an electric <laughs> truck. Electric we truck. What happened? We, we, well, I, I photographed it's a novelty, it. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but we photographed it on the carousel just for the sake of it in <laughs> yeah. itself. But, um, yeah. Stig had a go. Yeah, everyone, yeah, yeah well, yeah, yeah. so, but anyway... To, the start of the transportation mm. was from Dunsfeld. So a, a lot of the cars, sometimes you can pull them from their manufacturers, from their actual home bases around Europe or mm. fl- get them in from America or whatever. Mm. Everything was pretty much in the UK itself. So yeah. we had to have a central point to and load it them up. just made we cut down on the, the number of trucks yeah. going. Yeah, so there were, so there, there were three, 15 cars in total. Three of them had to be transported individually because they were yeah. um, either special cases or coming from different locations um 12 of them quick maths yeah. there um were all loaded onto the truck mm. at dunsfold so yeah. we were yeah two trucks 12 cars which yeah. um yeah is a lot greener than than 15 yeah. trucks i mean there, there is an argument obviously that says that we were at dunsfold we could have used dunsfold <laughs> and that would have required a lot less but this is the whole the whole point is to show people how you can mm. do this and tell the stories about these amazing places such as Gotland yeah. Ring you, well, and also these... we've yeah we've done Dunsfold everyone mm. would get a bit bored if we did the game but also yeah, we yeah. can have more of an opposite circuit no. mm. Dunsfold's flat and there's loads of runoff and barely anything to hit apart from yeah. the, the the occasional landing light yeah. Gotland Ring there's lots to hit and there's, there's lots of undulation <laughs> you have no idea where you're going and it's yeah. a lot and quicker I, I should just say um, that we have always dangerous applied some actual science um, I, I mentioned <laughs> earlier the BBC sustainability team so everything we've been talking about here we had to report into them with all mm. the details mileages every drop of fuel every electron that went into a car every meal that we ate the cutlery we used for our meals it was yeah. uh, a very very detailed well done, process Jack. well done yeah I, t- I took that one for the team um, <laughs> I'm sorry for using that other teaspoon, the wooden teaspoon. <laughs> yeah, how yeah. dare you? I told you bamboo cutlery or nothing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, and then turn, turn these all into calculations. So in the magazine, you'll see very detailed calculations about everything we did and the equivalent tons of CO2 um, output that came from those. So we have a sort of grand total for, for everything that we did and all the all the bits that we tried and failed and, and had little mini successes with in terms of co2 reduction they're all detailed in there Mm. plus um all the we mentioned earlier about gotland itself the island being a bit of a sort of an eco experiment um there's another spread in the mag which details all the 
wild and wonderful things that are going on electric on roads hydrogen yeah. ferries all yeah, quite yeah, cool. yeah. A, a road that charges your EV as you mm. drive along which is just yeah. I mean sounds horrifically expensive but mm. genius at the yeah. same time and an electric charging point for the planes as well yes uh, yeah. exactly no they're going to start their the yeah, first flights soon flights. Yes. Yeah. I won't be on that one but um... okay. <laughs> Well, let's we uh, talk about some cars. Talk about some cars. <laughs> so, right. Well, why don't we? Why don't we just go through? So, as I said, mm. we have fifteen contenders. Let's go through. Tell people what we had there, mm. and then for each one, maybe let's just give a, a, a sort of a little um, compact kind of idea of what mm. what we thought about the car and stuff that sort of happened with it, and then we'll give you a bit more of an idea about how you know what what does a day at Speed Week actually look like? Because I yeah. bet. I bet the listeners are thinking we rock up. Oh, here come the trucks full of cars. Yeah. Unload them all. Open and we track just, day. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just a big <laughs> bucket of keys in the middle. Yeah. Open track day for two days. Mm. The reality is. an hour of that, didn't we? Yeah. The, the reality <laughs> is, you know, we have, um, we produced six videos. We've got an entire magazine um, to fill. It, it takes up the whole feature run in, in a magazine. Media, yeah. yeah, we have social specific content to film and photograph. We have a whole bespoke plan of content for TopGear.com. All of this stuff needs to be captured. So um, yes, people need to drive the cars. The writers need to drive the cars, but we've got to get the pictures, we've got to get the videos and we've got to do a strategically. Content, because baby. Content, baby. Yeah, but also, come on. <sighs> it's quite fun making that content too because no, the photographer yeah. says, no, no, oh, can I you just, get that sideways no, thing? No, You're no. like, yeah, all right. Do we want the pity? We're, no, we're we want the, the pity. pity but no, just, just an idea. So we tend to divvy, divvy the track up into <laughs> two, three bits um so people you know so it's nice and safe there's big gaps between between groups and then you'll go off and there'll be a video being filmed at that end of the new track and uh, a photo shoot going on down here and there'll be someone doing a piece to camera in the pit lane and and it's um is it a slick operation Ron? well it, well, it depends who's organizing it but the uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 it is to some extent we try our best but uh yeah, no, th this year is slightly tougher than others just because there was a lot going on, a lot of moving parts, but also the sustainability aspect has added a, a load more on top. But as soon as we arrived, but also not being an actual race circuit, there's no official pit garages, mm. no infrastructure there. It's still quite um, in its early days, even though it's been there a long time. It's not really set up for... Uh, our, our, our pit garages are basically old army sheds, which... Mm. Perfectly fit for purpose, yeah, yeah. and they, they were weren't fine. basically. They were old. They army were an old army yeah. shed. Requisition from the military. You know, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So we put the cars to bed in there, and then came back. Was it? Was it the first morning or the second, second morning? Second where morning. Tommy couldn't find the keys to the padlocks. Yeah, that was a bit of an issue when we've locked. As you can imagine, there's very various insurance um, policies and stipulations that we have to follow. One of them being that they have to be locked away and safe at night with security, etc. Which we had in the shape of a man called. Tommy, who is the most Viking-looking man you could ever see, living in a caravan next to the cars. Yeah. Um, to, but then we arrived the next day and realised that we had lost the keys to Basically. all the cars. We lost the keys, or Tommy? Tommy lost had the keys? lost them. He'd been going to. <laughs> he'd been going to the sort of up. He borrowed one of the electric scooters because we had some electric scooters, some mm. cake scooters there to help us sort of get around and stuff. I think he'd borrowed one, charged off to the probably to the from his caravan to the bogs, yeah, and managed to drop the keys out of his pocket somewhere. Ah. En route. So we then found some unique ways to make padlocks not be padlocks. Uh, <laughs> Angle grinders, beautiful YouTube. spades. Yeah, mm. we smacked them with spades. And anyway, we got all the cars out, which was fine. And then 
we then later found the keys. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> replacement padlocks found, it was all fine. But yeah. um, So we may as well go through the list. Yeah, go on then. Yeah. That's, um, um, so... Right, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off um, in the magazine. There's the sort of four pages that that says beautiful meet, drone meet the contenders, shot. beautiful yeah. overhead drone shot of of all 15 cars. Lamborghini Serato. Let's start there. That's a good place to start, isn't yeah. it? The least track focused car we probably we had there at all, but also <laughs> probably one of the most fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. So one of was it 1499? I think they're making Serratos. Uh, to to go there and uh, well to be to exist, it's Lambo's off road supercar. We've Jack, you drove it in the US. Yeah, no one else has had exposure to it. Very differing opinions within the group of what it would be like, how it feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we get on later, there was a direct rival to it, which also yeah. made you mark out your gang lines and where you want to be. I, I was a bit sniffy about it. Because it, I mean, it just feels like a lifted hurricane. Mm. And I thought the damping doesn't feel that sophisticated. The four wheel drive system is pretty rudimentary, really. It's the same. They basically introduced a rally mode, which is more more power to the rear and loosen the ESC. But, but it was so silly. Yeah. It was so much fun because it was just silly. It, it was it wasn't sophisticated fun. It was just prat around fun. Yeah. And it was there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, because yeah. everything's got a bit and as you'll see as you go down the line, there's a lot of serious cars there. Mm. So you go in there and it's the opposite. And it's just yeah. Because it is a, it does pitch and roll and is a bit a lot softer and the tires do a lot of the work for you of you know, of basically rolling around and you don't know quite where you're at at times but that's quite fun to kind of ha- have to anticipate you've got that screaming v10 engine behind you plus like you say ollie not the best four-wheel drive system in the world which sends 80 percent to the rear uh and the way it handles on a track was like en- nothing else and there. i think that, that's the most remarkable thing is that this is it is pitched as an off-road um supercar it's more of a kind of it's basically like a a loose surface kind of rally car really it's at its best on you know i i drove it on sand in the desert brilliant you know gravel or or a bit of mud it would be would be great fun um, but it is that feeling of being in something that it still feels like a supercar because you've got all that yeah. fighter co- fighter pilot cockpit of lamborghinis yeah. and yet you're charging across the scenery yeah. which feels a bit wild and wacky but but it but it was fun on track it's not supposed mm. to be fun on track it, it's you know it's supposed the limits to were lower as well it's yeah. one of the easiest yeah, cars to drive and look yeah, quite yeah. heroic in it but also well, the best thing get it wrong end up in the gravel you go yeah, I was meant to do that. Meant it's to made do that. That. It's, that's where it actually wants to be. It's fine. <laughs> well, we better move on. I've yeah, been right. here a very long time. Yeah, so, uh, next up, Formula E car. So, this was really exciting. We got along a Formula E car. Of course, this was our uh, sustainable, cleaner, greener speed week. So, we needed a sort of an EV representative. What better than the um, than an EV race car? Um, so, the Formula E. But the one they sent along was brilliant. So, it's the Gen 3 car, which is the latest mm-hmm. model. But this is actually called the Gen beta or gen beta depending on your pronunciation um which is kind of a um it's unlocked beyond this season's regulations so there's more power it's four-wheel drive there's a bit more downforce um it's basically their sort of test bed slash prototype development car isn't it well they still do 200 miles an hour yeah. yeah, well, he's just set a world record for indoor speed, going about 137 That well-known world record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, did it in my front room. Um, uh, but yeah, so you you drove it. Yeah, yeah. And Ollie Q, who's not mm. here to defend himself, drove yeah. it as well. Yeah. Uh, so what happened there? Well, uh, do you know, I w- again, I was quite sceptical about this, because we've all seen and heard what we Ollie's think we know. Ollie's basically sceptical about everything yeah. before he drives and he- it, and then goes, whee! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about... about yeah, I thought it was going to be a bit slow, a bit plain, 
and a bit ordinary. And actually, it's not. It's really quite fast. So that's, I can't believe that, Ollie Q will know the stats better than I do. I think that's about 450 horsepower, 460 uh, it's over, horsepower. over 500 once. Oh, was it? And it weighs about 900 kilos, I think. Yeah, 536. 536, yeah. So it's, it's quick. It is really quick. And you can't just be flat chat with it everywhere, especially when the tyres are cold. Yeah. So you need to sort of build up to it a bit. And you've got to feed the power in more, quite sort of considerately. Because if you just go flat gas with all that torque, you just light up, light up the rears. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's quick. It yeah. really is quick. I think it would have been a toss-up between... That and like the Atom 4R, which we'll come on to talk about later, about yeah. what would have been quick around a circuit, mm. there would probably wouldn't have been that much in it. But it's that so at least that sort of speed. However, so, yes, it was exciting mm. to drive and mm. I didn't get that experience because I didn't fit in it. But this is the problem that Formula E has. It may be great to drive mm. for you in a single seater, being yeah, yeah. isolated and mm. alone. You know, it's meant to be a spectator sport too. Mm. And it just didn't look very exciting going around. Yes, it may be mm. quick, but there's a lot of quick stuff. Well, there's a lot of stuff there that was slower, but more exciting for us to look at and um Yeah, and, and it's something it. that Ollie Ollie Q, who wrote wrote the feature in the magazine, um, kind of explores that, you know, I think his his first paragraph says, Formula E should be the biggest motorsport event on the planet given you know every manufacturer wants to be associated with ev these days given you know all the sort of fan interaction and all the uh, innovative kind of digital solutions marketing solutions they got going on around it uh, and yet it's not quite cutting through in the way that they would hope so he sort of yeah. discusses that but then also just tells you what it's like to um to drive yeah. this car which is yeah. uh quite exciting yeah right our bath 500e right <laughs> I loved this thing. <laughs> well, I, I loved and hated How? it. Well, no, b b you know, it low was, expectations. Wasn't low great. Was it? Yeah. Wasn't well, great. no, wasn't it's great, oh, let's be honest. That, <laughs> bloody and trying to keep up with other stuff. That's the amusement. No, it, that's the amusement. No, it's fun to drive because it's overtired and overbraked. And yes, you're just trying to be brave when you're chasing someone on track and saying, "I will break a lot later than you and surprise you." <laughs> um, however, it's got that boombox under the uh, rear bumper to um, synthesize fake engine noise yeah and just none of the sounds make sense and it's it was the loudest thing there I think yeah and you, can there, an you can actually rev it um, which is you know a really useful feature of course um, but the lag between like pushing the throttle <laughs> yes. and the that's, a, like, that's a good impression the turbo lag haven't they yeah, yeah. yeah but that's a good impression of it because that's what the rev sounds like but then when it idles it's more of a V80 old lazy burbly which I would just be so embarrassed you can turn it off but you can't you have to go three menus deep so it's a, a real pain to do it yeah um, I mean you, you, you it, 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 I I I get what you mean. Around the, the completely inappropriate, fast, wide, newer mm. circuit, if you just went... You, I think you could be flat throttle for 95% of the yeah, lap. Yeah, it was hilarious. It was great. <laughs> Although you got out of it and went, this is fat. Have a go in that. Just basically don't lift. And I was like, all right. Jumped in and went off. But you'd, the brakes were off. The, the car was starting to shake its head and was dialing back the power. And it was like halfway... Th I had even less... I think it's got 100 and... 
50 horsepower, basically. I think I had about 70 by the time you got out. Also, you don't have to worry because it's well, you do have to worry because I can't remember what its intake of charge can be. But Gotland is one of the only racetracks where they actually have electric charging facilities if you wanted to race EVs around. Um, so you could just drop it off. But seeing the range, you were losing like 25% lap or something crazy. (laughs) So it's uh, only a diddly battery, uh, but yeah, something different. But is that the future of the electric hot hatch? We don't know. There's other contenders that will come onto yeah, it. But I think yeah. it's it's destined to be a bit, a bit of a big. fashion accessory, that car. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is Jack Ricks coming to you from the future. We've just finished recording this podcast and realised that it is an absolute monster. So we've made an executive decision here in the studio to split it into two parts. You've obviously just listened to part one. Coming up in part two, we're going to tell you how to wheelie a 911 Dakar. You're going to find out how Ollie Marriage span a Toyota GR86. Well, it it, it did actually happen. And also how we whittled 15 contenders down to a final three. Which was actually four. It was actually a final four. We're three plus one. Yeah. Anyway. You can find out about it next week. Yeah. Join us for part two.